Hello, I'm Evan Ball. Welcome to Striking a Chord, an Ernie Ball podcast. Today I'll be speaking with critically acclaimed, Grammy-winning super artist, St. Vincent. We're going to talk about her formative experience tour managing and roadieing for her aunt and uncle when she was just a teenager, and other events that led her to where she is today. She discusses how her career has been driven by staying focused on making good art. Other topics include her influences, how to properly roll a cable, songwriting, and more. So without further ado, I present guitarist, songwriter, director, actor, designer, producer, and probably much more, Annie Clark, a.k.a. St. Vincent. Annie Clark, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. So when did you start playing guitar? I started playing guitar when I was 12. I played violin first, but I found that I was just trying to learn like Peter Frampton songs on violin. I was like, oh, maybe I'll just go straight to the source instead of of trying to play rock songs on violin. What drew you in more? Was it the guitar itself or or the prospect of the guitar as a tool to be a singer, songwriter, guitar player? It was just, I think it was, you know, the sound of the guitar and the power. And, you know, everybody has that sort of like lightning bolt moment when they hear Jimi Hendrix for the first time. They're like, wow, this is this is lightning in a bottle. Yeah. Yeah. I want to be, I want to be involved in whatever is making this sound. Was, was singing songwriting part of the vision early on? Always. Yeah. I mean, I started, I started writing songs right when I started playing guitar. I was kind of, I would go to my local guitar shop and take lessons and everything from a really, really sweet guy who's since passed away. This guy named Tommy Hyatt, who's a great guitar player. And I would go and learn songs that I liked, um, but kind of halfway through learning the songs, whenever I would take my tablature back home, I would just start making up my own things. So it was, it was just kind of uh, just instant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Would you perform as a kid? I did. I mean, oh, God. Recently, a friend of mine um, sent me, you know, something I did at the ninth grade talent <laughs> show or, you know, I remember I think it was I think it was eighth grade talent show. I played bass in a kind of hard rock cover band and and we did um back in black for the eighth grade talent show so yeah oh, i cool. mean i would perform yeah yeah okay. sheepishly of course at first yeah but. all right so you mentioned Jimi hendrix um i want to fact check wikipedia real quick it cites the, the movie la bomba as a big influence oh that's right you know what yeah i've i i think about it so you know it's like music is so it's inextractable as a part of my life it's just so so in there that yes in fact i saw la bamba when i was five and begged my mother to buy me this little cheap plastic red guitar that looked like the richie valens strat from target and took a lot of a lot of trying and we didn't have any money but she saved up that twenty dollars and bought me that guitar i remember thinking it was the most expensive gift i'd ever heard of Pretty early on, did you know that you wanted to make this a career, your livelihood? You know, it's funny. I don't think I'm particularly great at at the idea of career. You know, like I don't, I don't have, I have a, a smart brain, but not necessarily a brain that is um, calculating. And I, again, I don't mean calculating in a bad way, but I'm not, I'm not calculating in the way that um, you had probably, a master plan to yeah get, probably the way more successful people are <laughs> frankly um i was just like i i'm going to do this thing that i love 
and I'm going to give it my all and, you know, slowly but surely, you know, one thing will lead to another thing will lead to another thing. And that's kind of how I've always a- approached it. And I think in some ways that my heart and my actual attention is always about like just trying to make the best record, make the best you know, move. I just made a movie, just make the best things that I possibly can. And it's not, I think if I was smarter, I would, you know, have a lot more stock options or whatever the fuck yeah. people do. But <laughs> I'm an artist first, you know. One thing I came across, Tuck and Patty. Yeah. So Tuck is your uncle. Is that right? Tuck is my uncle. He's my mom's brother and Patty's my aunt. They've been married for, oh man, like 30, 40 years, something, something like that. And yeah, when I was a kid, they would, um, when I turned about 15 or 16, they saw that I was obsessed with guitar and obsessed with music and they wanted to show me what it was like to be on the road. So I went with them to Japan as their tour manager slash roadie. And Wait, how old were you here? 15 or 16, okay. which was, you know, it's thrilling to, to go to a place that was so like culturally different and, and see the world and get a sense that the world is massive and you too can travel the world and, and meet people and, and do this thing that you love. Um, you know, there's an example laid out for it, but I think, you know, and, and my job was real. I mean, I, I would, every time we got to the hotel, to new hotels, I'd have to go in and test all the equipment after every flight and make sure that it was all good. Cause my uncle has a, my uncle's a genius. I mean, he just is, he's, got a real engineering brain so you know I would, I would go in whatever club we were at I would test the power to make sure the voltage was right to make sure that the you know the pedal board would get the right amount of power I mean he's very fastidious and I think honestly one of the, the best things I learned he really he taught me how to roll a cable the correct way very practical he taught me how to roll a cable the correct way and I feel so grateful for so that what is the key to properly rolling a cable well what you have to do is you can't any sound engineer at a club who picks up a cable and starts rolling it over their forearm and bicep just should be spanked I mean the way to roll a cable is you know you hold it but then you also have to it's not just making the loop you also have to twist at the top so that um, at while you're doing the larger loop so that when you roll them out again, they don't get all yeah, spaghetti. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And they also really, I mean, they really got me, you know, thinking about EQ and reverb and all the kind of stuff that to have a language for that when you're, especially when you're talking to, to engineers or you're trying to talk to somebody and explain to them what kind of sound you're after. I mean, knowing what you're talking about it just makes things easier it just makes the process faster is all how how great you had that experience early on Mm -hmm. and you were you were undeterred by road life you were maybe i loved it i loved it i mean and i i mean i i toured again with them you know in my what it would have been i was 19 or 20 something like that and did a european tour with them where um my aunt tells the story of me being so tired that i asked them if it was okay if I took a nap on the floor of the Milan airport. (laughs) (laughs) I would never think of touching an airport floor now uh, with my head, but, but, you know, I learned that it's hard work and I loved that about it. I still do, but I spent all of my 20s and most of, you know, the first part of my 30s and on the road, so I'm a road dog. Well, that's amazing. Yeah, early on in high school, I was in a duo where I played guitar and I had a female 
vocalist. So Tuck and Patty were kind of on, on our radar. Totally, remember, yeah. he's such an amazing guitar player. He's crazy. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Okay, so you went to Berklee College of Music. What do you see as the, the benefits of formally studying music? And also, I think I think you left early, so maybe were there things that bothered you about it too? Again, I mean, I think it's it's nice to have a vocabulary. It's nice to know what a what a minor six chord is. You know, yeah. it's nice to know yeah. what a augmented whatever flat nine chord that I find helpful. But I don't really. I mean, with few exception, none of my favorite musicians and artists went to music school. Yeah, with the exception of like Donald Fagan or. I know I'm missing people. So what were your goals going into the school? Well, I mean, I wanted to, I thought, um, I wanted to be a musician. So I, I thought, okay, this will be, I'll get to go and really um, specialize. But I mean, frankly, as as an artist, and I do, I'm coming into this strange period of, of life where I I'm, I do a lot of other things that are artistic, but that aren't necessarily, you know, sitting in, in a room and shedding on guitar you yeah. know it's like do creative direction and design and um you know write movies and shit so yeah. i my, my my point in that isn't to be self-aggrandizing it's just to say that like most of my inspiration for music doesn't really even come from music it's a funny thing and also i wasn't um berkeley's a very it's very much a jazz school or at least it it certainly started that way and there was a lot of threads of that when i was there and um i love jazz but I don't want to be a bebop guitar player. I couldn't if I tried, you know, that that's not um So was guitar your focus at the school? Yeah, I yeah. was I was a guitar major. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But I got very low marks and um Really? Yeah. <laughs> totally. I got super low marks. Huh. Um but I don't know. I think I think there's technicians and athletes and I think there's artists and sometimes sometimes they meet up and sometimes um you know tremendous skill meets tremendous artistry and and that can become transcendent and then i sometimes think that there's a, a lot of uh amazing technicians but who who aren't necessarily moving as you know don't necessarily move me to hear them play right. yeah so your music is is a mix of electronic instruments and good old-fashioned guitar and drums it's everything yeah yeah what does your writing process look like are you more likely to start a song on a guitar or maybe on a computer with electronic instruments uh, I'm more likely, I just start really anywhere. I mean, I, I, um, I'm lucky enough to where melodies just sort of come to me walking down the street or, you know, waking up from a dream and you, you just have, you know, made something kind of in your head and you just rush to capture it. To me now more than ever, I think that the things that last, at least in the, in the genre of music with lyrics, the things that really last are songs and, and great songs and things that move people's hearts. And that's really my focus now is just writing the kind of songs that people will still want to hear in 30 years. Yeah. You know, the stuff that, the stuff that might outlive some of the, the extra noise. Um, so I start anywhere. I mean, honestly, like, I've written some of my favorite things on like an app in my phone. I mean, it doesn't, yeah. if you have ears, you can just like yeah, anything yeah. can happen. I'll, I'll start, I'll start a song on a modular synth and go, okay, cool. I, I, you know, I tweaked around for three hours and got some really rad loop and then go, actually, that would be cooler on guitar. I'm going to transpose it to guitar. It's just, you know, most of my better, I think my better guitar parts start as, you know, melodies that I heard first and then figured out how to play. 
Do you do you prefer writing music or lyrics? Maybe not prefer. Do you does one come easier to you writing music or lyrics? I mean, f- frankly, and, and again, I'm not being self-aggrandizing. It's just I could write music all day long. You can be really, really gener- generative, but I think that having the marriage of music and a lyric that means something and 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 has a or at least has a a real focus and a co- cohesion and um that's the like holy trinity and having something to say or being able to say that thing in in some kind of way that's poignant and interesting that's the thing that like truly just takes a lot of time that takes a lot of the effort you know i could write music like a churn out shit all day and in fact i just scored a film and that's basically what i did just like okay this has the logic of water this doesn't have to be a chorus that you want to hear three times or whatever it is i'm like okay well I not, I I don't know that I necessarily have a big um a natural talent for film scoring. Um it's very tedious, but uh making things. Yeah. Are there things you look back on and say if this didn't happen my life would look completely different? Maybe it's a, a connection you made early on or a decision. There are a lot of things. I think if I hadn't had someone so close in my family who did music, I wouldn't have known that you could just do that. Like really do it. I wouldn't I it would have kind of, I think, seemed really elusive or, or pie in the sky. Yeah. Um, I think if I hadn't dropped out of Berkeley when I did and gone with my tail between my legs back to Texas and lived with my mom and, you know, my childhood bedroom at the exact time when the Polyphonic Spree was touring and we we're looking for other members, like yeah. I wouldn't have... I wouldn't have gotten that opportunity to play in the spree and then I wouldn't have met Sufjan Stevens and then I wouldn't have opened for him and toured for them. And if that hadn't happened, I wouldn't have gotten signed, you know, while I was on tour with him. And then if I hadn't gotten signed to a, you know, a good label that was right for me at the time um, and who was supportive of just, I got to just, I've always just made whatever I wanted if I hadn't had that first record out, I wouldn't have played a show in New York where David Byrne was and gotten to meet him and, and become close with him and make a record with him. And then I wouldn't have toured. You know, it's just like, it's a lot. Good old butterfly effect. Yeah, it it really is. But also, I mean, I had, you know, maybe 18 hours notice between, Hey Annie, they think they want you to, um, they're looking for new members. You should come and try out for the polyphonic spree. If I hadn't sat there and shedded all the songs and known, everything and every b-side and walked into that place prepared yeah i wouldn't have no doubt. gotten the opportunities yeah. all right let's take a quick break and then come back and talk about some of your music have you heard about ernie ball's new slinky sets introducing primo slinky ultra slinky mega slinky burly slinky and mammoth slinky electric guitar strings find your perfect gauge maybe it's primo slinky with a 9.5 on the high e and a 44 on the low e Or maybe you're a drop tuner. Check out Mammoth Slinky, the 12 to 62 set. Ernie Ball's got slinkies for everybody. Learn more by visiting ernieball.com or your favorite guitar retailer. Get yours today. Looking back at the albums you've done, do you have a favorite? I don't know that I have a favorite. I think there's certain things on each record that I'm really proud of. And again, it's such a, it's always a funny thing where a lot of times your favorite moments as an artist in no way coincide with other people's favorites you know i look back on a record like actor which was my second record which i guess came out 10 years ago now which is crazy um but i'm really proud of the arrangements on it like oh those are those are really beautiful you know i look back on um 
some of the songs on my last record and go, oh, that that was that's the best song I've ever written to date. Or um, anything that jumps out. I mean, I think New York's a great song. Yeah. I, you know, I think that's a, a really, I think that's a moving, moving piece. And in, in no way is it my most like. There's nothing. There's hardly any guitars on it except for some like pretty swells in the background. But or smoking section. I'm fond of that song quite a bit. Happy birthday, Johnny's is a really solid song. Yeah. yeah, I don't know, you know, but again, those those are more s- songs with a capital S than I think anything I'd I'd done before. So Jack Antonoff, you've written with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys shared a Grammy and uh, for Mass Seduction. What does what does that look like? Your 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 co-writing process with them is there a separation of duties or ha- no. how do you guys co-write? And it's funny. It's funny too because um, co-writing is such an interesting thing and and. It's it's a funny thing because you you see people's names, but you never really know what if that was ninety five percent or five sure. percent or whatever. And I've been on every single side of of that in in writing with other people. Um, no, Jack is just a, he's such a wonderful guy, and I really think he gets the best out of people, and is such a songs guy. Um, there would just be little things like I think you know his contribution to New York was, uh, you know, I had those verses and everything and I was like, I don't, God, it's, I don't know. Maybe it should just be a tight little song. I don't know what a chorus would be. And he sent it back with these, you know, really pretty chorus chords. And I was like, Oh wait, I have a, a melody from another song that I, I think could really work well in this other lyric and put those things together. And you know, like yeah. that's, and then other times it's uh it's an all in just amorphous process. I just say like the process is alive and however you get there, you get there and not to be afraid of going down different rabbit holes. Cause the worst that happens is you don't like it and you come back. How about co-writing with Taylor Swift? Cruel summer. Is it a remote process? No, I was in, in the room. Um, is it like a music lyric split or is it all? No, no that's okay. never, um, on that one. I, I, um, yeah, I'd kind of worked on that track with Jack first and then, Taylor was really excited about it and, you know, wrote a bunch of stuff to it and it turned out great. I love that song. So, you know, it's all, it's very loose in this way. It's not a, it's not some, uh, like Elton John. I'm so spacing on his writing partner's name. I'm so sorry. But like, it's not where like Elton writes the music and that dude writes lyrics. It's, it's just, uh, definitely mm -hmm. more of an open process. Mm -hmm. Cool. Well, so you've collaborated with a lot of people. Anyone you're collaborating with now or plan to in the future? Yeah, what am I doing? Um, I produced a Slater Kinney record, which was so fun. Um, so produce I've been produced another record that I think is maybe will come out next year. Yeah, I'm doing some creative direction for people who I adore, which again that'll come out next year. Um, Are you working on a new album right now? Yep. Yeah. Any plans for release? Uh, nothing. Out? No, nothing concrete that okay. I can you know. But if, yeah. yeah, I'm always no I'm always news right now. No, no. <laughs> But I'm always, I'm never not doing something. And I actually find that the more you're doing, the more the ideas get to cross pollinate and, and open up. And, um, you know, you would think, oh, well, if you want to, you just have to do the one thing. And that, that, I think that's true for a certain amount of time. You have to be good at, at one thing. But a lot of the skills and a lot of um, the ideas can be transferable and transposable and, you know, really generative. Yeah. So aside from music, what do you like to do? Um, I mean, <laughs> I know I you're love, busy. No, busy. I mean, Movies I really, and, yeah. I love, I love 
I love making things, you know, and that's really, that's kind of all I do. It's kind of all I do. And luckily I get to do it in a lot of different facets. So it never, never gets tedious. I went on one vacation recently. All right. Um, I went to Berlin and the first thing I did was go to the Stasi prison. <laughs> now defunct, but um, go see a bunch of art. And Do you get to sightsee when you're touring? No, not no. really. Not really. I mean, I'd, I had been to Berlin a lot of times and never yeah. done anything, yeah, yeah. you know. Do you want to pursue movies further? Is this something that you think will be a big part of your future? Um, I acted in this movie for the first time. What is it called? Oh, no, I can't talk about oh, that. Okay. Okay. Sorry, but I, but I did make a movie. Um, but I've also directed things and a, a couple things, you know, more way more recently directed. And to be honest with you, I prefer being behind the camera. I think that's you have more agency and um, creative control and everything like that. But I did like I did like acting, but I can see why it makes people crazy people. It makes people like deeply body dysmorphic. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you have to like look at yourself and realize like, oh, fuck, I didn't realize that's how I talked or I didn't realize that like from that angle, this is what, you know, you totally understand yeah, why people. microscope that normal Yeah, it's like, not. fuck. But so I, I like it, but it's, um, it's, it's way more of a, it's more painful to the ego, I think, than being behind the camera. Who have been some of your favorite bands or artists through through time. Oh, geez. Uh, I mean, I'm pretty Catholic with a little C in my taste. I mean, one day I might just throw on war and really just vibe to war. I mean, yeah. Kendrick Lamar, uh, Joni Mitchell. I mean, I mean there's some growing up that you think of. Oh, growing up. I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, Nirvana and Pearl Jam and Soundgarden and Kate Bush and Tori Amos and uh, Stereo Lab and the, the list kind of does go on forever. John Coltrane, I was really into Miles and Billy and Ella. Steely Dan, I love forever. Hendrix. Would it be possible for you to pick three albums that would be your favorite or most influential? You know, it's funny. There's a difference between, there's a difference between a record that can be the most influential and records that you've listened to the most. Sure. Like, you know, I, I specifically remember hearing a love supreme for the first time and feeling that transcendence. I specifically remember hearing talk, talk spirit of Eden for the first time and just like, just going so, so deep. And that's not a record I've listened to 7 million times. It's like, you know, you sit, you put this on and it's your religious experience. So it, it's hard to, there's like a, there's a quantity and then there's like a depth. I've probably listened to Steely Dan more than any other band in my life. Like, and people will have a lot of s strong feelings about that one way or the other, but uh, I, I realize they're divisive. Um, and I love that music, but when I think about stuff that is like moved my heart in ways that are just like shattering, I think of Joni and I think of Leonard Cohen. I think of Nick Cave. I think of like writers who explain to you the things that you have always felt but never had words for. All right, so you have a fantastic signature Ernie Ball Music Band guitar. How did that come about? Well, I came up to San Luis Obispo to see the factory like probably four and a half years now. So were you already playing strings? There's a relationship. Oh, there. I've been playing the strings, strings for, for my whole life. Okay. Um, 
and my my uncle plays those strings and it was just like obviously i'm gonna play ernie balls um and then i they gave me an albert lee signature series which was so cool and i'd never seen anything like it i love the angularity of it i really just kind of fell in love with that guitar um and then they reached out and said you know come why don't you come on up to the to the factory and see and let's talk about maybe doing something together and i I did, you know, Sterling flew me up in the, in the plane and we just chatted and he really just reminds me of like family, you know, just funny and engaging and the whole, you know, the whole ball family is just like a joy. And it sounds like the, um, like catchphrase of the olive garden or something, but it's like when you're here, you're family. And I feel so happy to be part of the family, you know, that's great. Uh, so came, came up here and, and what the signature St. Vincent guitar ended up being was actually something that based on like an original sketch I did just riffing on ideas. And then, you know, with all the expertise and, and resources here, we just refined, refined, refined until it was like, this is rad. Yeah. Other people should have the ability to play this because this is rad. This is everything that in my, you know, whatever, however many years, 20 plus years of playing guitar, but more than that, like deck, plus more of being a touring artist like that these are the things that i want in a guitar that other guitars don't have all in one package you know and so so you brought that body shape over roughly yeah yeah, yeah. i was i mean based on initial sketch yeah. you know i like i like um i love those old like tiesco like japanese guitars and i love the k's from the 60s those are kind of just angular angular bodies so that was that was I was coming from a, a place of obviously already having some yeah some Such favorites. A cool we were talking earlier how it's deceptively comfortable too. It's really comfortable. Yeah, yeah it's really comfortable. Everything about it's very ergonomic, and it's also not it's not heavy. Mm-mm. So it's not you're not gonna have to um, go to the chiropractor all the time. No way. Annie Clark, thanks for being on the podcast. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for tuning in to Striking a Chord. And big thanks to Annie Clark for being on the show. If you're enjoying the podcast, why not take a few seconds to give us a review? No pressure. As always, you can reach us at strikingaccord at ernieball.com. As much as so much of the culture and the myth-making is about propping up one person and saying this person is the, the heralded genius or something, like really the, I think so much of the, the battle and, and the excitement is the teamwork. And whether that, whether that teamwork means you and one other person or you and a hundred other people, it's like you might be the captain, but like, you know, everybody's rowing the ship in their own particular way.